It looks like a very serious letter. It's addressed GFC people living in sin. Should I open it? Some of you who have a pure conscience before God, you've got like, all right, bring it on. Others of you who are hiding in shame, not making any contact, you're getting a little worried. All right. Dear Stephanie Van Pay and others, I rebuke you for constantly decorating for Christmas way too early. Please stop. It says, respect the turkey. No name, just anonymous. Maybe a word from the Lord. I can get behind this. Like, anybody else, like, second this motion? All in favor, say aye. aye. The people have spoken, Stephanie. Please, any Stephanie supporters? Any of y'all guilty of Christmas? Wow. House divided. We're not divided. This is a minor issue, right? We major on the majors of the church, minor on the minors. The major, Jesus is alive. He's on the throne. Amen? We can get behind that. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Last book of the Bible. Obviously, we are going to look at a very serious letter, one of seven letters written to the church at that time. I'm so grateful that you're here today as we continue our series called Letters to the Church. The Apostle John, one of the original 12 that followed Jesus, is now older. He's mar- he was, wasn't yet martyred for his faith, but he was exiled to the island of Patmos and received a vision from God. So that's what revelation is. It means to unveil the future, the end times. But in chapters 2 and 3, we discover the seven letters written by Jesus to the churches. And if you remember, like he was, he was, John was writing from this island, and the first letter was written to Ephesus. And remember, the big idea of that letter was to return to the first love, right? And then the second letter is written to Smyrna. And the big idea here is endure hard times. The word Smyrna is a Greek word for myrrh. It's a type of perfume that once crushed, a fragrance comes out. And so that's what's happening to the believers in Smyrna. They were literally being crushed by outside forces, by spiritual forces. It's one of two letters that by Jesus who they didn't, they were not being rebuked. They were encouraged because they were already being crushed by outside forces, but yet they remained faithful and true to the Lord. Smyrna is one of the most beautiful cities in the the ancient world at the time. It was a coastal city. If the city was in Texas, it would have been on South Padre Island, right? Beautiful waters, a harbor town. People would have gone there for vacation. Today, they would have taken pictures and put them all over Instagram. But in that period of time, the Christians, the church, it was no vacation. And the reason why is because of all of the, the polytheistic culture that they lived in. There was a lot of idolatry, a lot of worship to false gods. In fact, in the background of this city was a large hill called Pathos. And so on the top, it had all the temples, a famous street of gold that started out from the temple to Zeus. It was considered the crown jewel of the entire city. 
And so the primary religion, although all of the religions and the idols were tolerated, one of them, the primary worship, was to the Roman emperor. And so if every citizen who lived in the city did not offer a yearly sacrifice and worship and bow down to the Roman emperor, then they were guilty and could be, uh, it was a capital offense, and that they many were martyred for their faith. They were executed for death. And so they faced a lot of difficulty, a lot of outside pressure and persecution as a result. And Jesus is writing to them in chapter 2, verse 8 of Revelation. He says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Aren't you grateful that you worship a God who's the first and the last, right? He's the Alpha and the Omega, that he died, but he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he's alive forevermore, amen? We worship a God who's alive. Praise God for that. That opening sentence was meant to bring great comfort to the church in Smyrna, who all around them, people were dying. Their close friends and family members in their church were being persecuted for their faith. And so Jesus is like, I'm greater than what you can see with your eyes. I'm greater than the problems here on earth. And the one who conquered death says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. The believers in Smyrna loved Jesus. And because of their love for God, they remained faithful. And because they remained faithful and did not compromise, did not, did not shrink back in their faith in the midst of persecution, they were hated. And because they were hated, they were persecuted. And many who were persecuted were ex executed for their faith in Jesus. They were put to death. And so how can they be rich well, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Tough times and persecution are not unusual for the church of Jesus. You can read about it through the book of Acts, right? Jesus himself was persecuted, ultimately whipped and hung on a cross. He died for his, his love for his father and the divine purpose that was given to him. And the church, the early church, they were persecuted in Jerusalem, and largely because of that persecution, the, the message of Jesus was able to go out into the Gentile nations. And even today, we can see the persecuted church in places like China, North Korea, Vietnam, Rwanda, in the Middle East, all over the world. There's people in the church that when they are bold for their faith, they're kicked out of their family. They're put into jail. And some are put to death. And that's why we need to remember and not have gratitude, not just have gratitude for our faith in Jesus. We need to remember to pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering and a great, paying a great price to see the gospel being preached to every people group, every tongue, every nation. The church in America is, is really preoccupied with, with doing anything they can to prevent pressure, to prevent like it's an injustice. We should never fear the things that makes us stronger. When persecution comes, it brings purity to the church. It brings a greater dependence upon God. And God uses it as a vehicle to spread his gospel of Jesus. The Bible makes it clear that trials and persecution are inevitable when you're bold in your faith. 
Some of us are not bold enough in our faith. If you're not receiving some kind of pushback, some kind of persecution, then maybe you're not being as bold in your witness of who Jesus is, right? Like we're living in an age where a lot of different religions are tolerated. But if you say that Jesus is the only way, then you're considered to be not tolerant and and there's pushback. But we need to be bold in that. We need to be bold in the message of the sanctity of life today. When people start to teach your children a way that's contrary to, to Scripture and the truth, we need to stand up in faith and humility and love. Even when there's pushback, we don't need to be afraid of that. Amen? We need to be bold in our faith with Jesus. So Paul and Barnabas wrote in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, he said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. They said, we don't care what kind of persecution or the threats to us in our body, we're going to go forward. We're going to have faith. We're going to have boldness. Imagine when the apostle John would have received this vision from Jesus to the, to the church in Smyrna. He, this was personal for John because one of the guys in his small group, one of the guys that he would have led to the Lord and empowered was a man named Polycarp. He was the first pastor or bishop for the church of Smyrna. Fun local fact, if you've ever been in Bandera, you know that big part of that community, they have Polly's Peak, Polly's Chapel. It was a man who was an immigrant from Mexico who was named after this Polycarp, first pastor in Smyrna. And when that man got saved, he spread the gospel all around the hill country, became a circuit rider, built a chapel. If you can ever go and see that, you should. But it was named after this man who is a legend in the spirit. He's one of the spiritual fathers. And when he was an older man, he became persecuted for his faith. And oftentimes they would execute believers in the Colosseum. Think the Roman Colosseum. Well, Smyrna had one as well. And when he was led into the arena, he heard an audible voice of God. Others who were around him, who were eyewitnesses to this occurrence, also heard the audible voice. It said, be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. In other words, be a man of God. He was preparing him no matter what. Play the man. And while he was here, when the proconsul heard that indeed he was Polycarp and asked him if he was the pastor of Smyrna, a follower of Jesus, Polycarp did not deny his faith, but he said, yes, I am. And so he tried to persuade him to apostatize publicly, saying, have respect for your old age, swear by the fortune of Caesar, swear, urged the proconsul, reproach Christ, and I will set you free. You want to know how Polycarp responded? He said, 86 years I have served him, Polycarp declared, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? I have wild animals here, the proconsul said. I will throw you to them if you do not repent. Call them, Polycarp replied. It is unthinkable for me to repent from what is good to turn to what is evil. I will be glad through to be changed from evil to righteousness. If you despise the animals, I will have you burned. Polycarp said, you threaten me with fire which burns for an hour and is then extinguished. But you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want. 
in the next few moments, they would have taken his outer garment, they would have taken his belt. Those who were friends of Polycarp ran to take off his sandals, the last moments to touch the man that they loved and honored, their pastor who was going to be burned. And then the proconsul, along with many of the Jews who hated the Christians at that time, gathered the wood, gathered the sticks, and they made a fire and they lit it around Polycarp. And those present would have witnessed an incredible miracle because Polycarp was not burned. The flames engulfed around him like a, a sail to his ship. Though There was a breeze or a supernatural wind that caused him not to be burned. And the proconsul sent an executioner in with a dagger to pierce and to kill Polycarp. Most of Jesus' 12 disciples died a martyr's death. If you've ever read the Fox Book of Martyrs, you'll discover that Thomas would take the gospel to India and he was pierced with a sword. Peter was going to be crucified on a cross, but he requested not to be, he was unworthy to die and be crucified like Jesus, so he requested to be crucified upside down. Eventually, the apostle Paul would be beheaded in a jail cell in Rome, but before that happened, he escaped all kinds of persecution. He was stoned, he was whipped, and yet he survived. And during that, one of his last letters to Timothy, he wrote in 2 Timothy 3.10, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, and sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Now notice he says this in verse 12. In fact... Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why would he share this? This seems like challenging news. Like, where's your faith, Paul? But it was a reality. In the first century, believers were persecuted, and he didn't want young Timothy, who would be the next pastor, who would receive the baton, not to shrink back in his faith, but say, hey, it's a reality. You may be here today and go, wait a second. I, I didn't sign up for that. When I surrendered my life to Jesus, I, I, I thought everything would get better. I, I signed up for the blessings and the peace and the good things. And I think those in, who constantly hear that message, when you experience bad things, then your faith gets shaken when things don't go the way you expect. So I'm here to share with you the reality that we live in a broken, sin-filled world. There will be affliction. There will be sickness. But those things shouldn't take us out but rather they should bolster our faith and make us stronger when we put our trust in the Lord, knowing that sometimes there's a miracle in this world, but sometimes the miracle doesn't come until eternal life. Amen? But no matter what, we put our trust in Jesus and we follow him regardless. And that's what Jesus, he's looking at this church and he's saying, I know your afflictions. I know your poverty. If there's anyone who can say, I see you, I know you, it's Jesus. Right? He was whipped. He was lied about for being a blasphemer, but he never gave up. He didn't run away, and he died on the cross because of his great love for the church, for his love for you. He was the atonement. That's the gospel. We deserve the wrath of God, 
But Jesus, because of the love of God, for the glory of God, to fulfill the purpose of God, died on the cross as a model for us, as atonement for us, that when we repent of our sin and surrender our life to Jesus, we might be saved, forgiven from sin, saved from our selfishness and hell itself for an eternal life. Amen? That's the good news. And Jesus says, I, still, I know your affliction. I know your pain. I know it hurts. The book of Hebrews says that because Jesus, yes, fully God, but he was also fully man. And so he faced temptation. He faced the trials. And so we, we can look to Jesus as our example, but know that we serve a God who makes intercession for us and can say, me too. I know your pain. I understand what you're going through. And some of you, you're, you're uncertain about your future. There's relational conflict, maybe even in your own small group. You've been disappointed you're overwhelmed with fear about finances and how to pay your school bill or, or how to, you see your friends being able to, to pay for a meal at Chick-fil-A and you're having to count your dollars and, and you've questioned, you're like, man, I'm, I'm trying to live for Jesus and, and I'm not seeing answers or you have someone that you love and there's been a chronic illness or maybe you've lost someone that's close to you and it's painful, but Jesus says, I, my eye's on the sparrow, but my eye's on you too. I understand your pain. I know your affliction. But then he says, but you are rich. What does he mean by that? Because the Christians during that time, they were desperately poor. They didn't have a lot, but they were rich in the things that mattered most. They had the presence of Jesus. They had the promise of internal, eternal life. They had God's supernatural love, peace, and joy no matter what. I have people that... There are friends in the small group that I belong to, and I've got two sisters in the Lord that are both fighting cancer. And this past week, I've seen smiles bigger on their face than anybody else. And I see how they endure. And we pray for healing, and whether that healing comes in this life or the next, we know that God is good. And I've seen them. I've seen the, the wow, you just don't expect joy, but you see greater joy in suffering when people are walking close with Jesus. I've seen people who've lost loved ones, but yet experience God's presence in such a beautiful way. People who have lost everything, they realize that I can lose everything on earth, but as long as I have Jesus, I have everything I need. Amen? Jesus is enough. And Jesus says this in Revelation 2, 9. He says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. You see, these, the Jews were so upset, so just angry about Jesus. They not only lied about Jesus rising from the dead, but he, they would lie and twist truth. They would call Christians cannibals because they would take the Lord's communion, say they're actually eating the flesh of humans and the blood. And they would lie. They would say they're their home wreckers. They're not being loyal to their political leader, the, the emperor. They're not bowing down. So they were constantly twisting. And, and Jesus calls them out saying, hey, they're, man, they, they're the synagogue of Satan. Have you ever been lied about? Some of you, you've experienced hardship and suffering because even people close to you have doubted your character, have not trusted your motive, and you've seen the look in their eyes, and you've wanted to be quick to try to defend yourself. But know that you don't have to, that Jesus, most importantly, sees everything. And what is done in secret, what is said behind 
a closed door will eventually, the right wins at the end. And Jesus will be glorified and you can trust in that. In verse 10, Jesus says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. He's saying, hey, it's gonna get bad. It's gonna get worse, but don't be afraid. Jesus is with you. You can have trust in the Lord. And then the good news, he says, be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you, this is the good news, I will give you the crown of life. He's saying, it don't matter what you, you see with your eyes here. You may be executed for your faith, but knowing this is just small, short-term pain compared to glory in heaven where there will be no more pain, there will be no more tears, there will be no more sorrow, that you will live with God, your Father in heaven, your home forever and ever, and a crown of life will be placed on your head because you did not compromise, you suffered well for the glory of God, and that's the promise, that's the reward, that's the eternal perspective that we must have as followers of Jesus. Amen. You're on the winning side. And so when you face persecution, when there's pressure, when you're in the middle of a trial and you're tempted to quit, you're tempted to complain and have a bad attitude, know that even in that trial that your character is being developed. God wants you to walk in humility. He wants to develop some grit and some supernatural strength. James chapter 1, verse 12. I like this man over here. Helping me out. Amen. All right. Verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. How many of you love Jesus? Would you make a commitment that no matter what you face, that you would put your trust in Jesus and the promise is that you too will receive a crown of life, amen? That we would be about our Father's business and purpose, that no matter what we face, no matter how we're tried, no matter how we're tempted, we're gonna keep going on, we're gonna endure, we're gonna be faithful so that the name of Jesus will be glorified, amen? This is why we go out and make disciples. This is why we share our faith. This is why we endure trials. So the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus is more shown brightly when we suffer well for the glory of God and when we endure and when we're faithful and we make disciples and we start more small groups and start more campus ministries and we're sent out as missionaries and sent out to start new churches for the glory of God. And the age is getting darker and we must feel the urgency to redeem the days because the days are evil. We should feel the fit weight but this should make us excited and passionate about the great purpose of God in the end times. And we should hold true to Jesus and abide with him in our secret place in our closet with the Lord. And we should value coming together with our brothers and sisters in a small group so we can find strength and carry each other's burdens, amen? So no matter what you face, know that God has got victory. He, he wants you to trust in him. You're not alone. You can be strengthened. God still answers prayer. There can be victory, breakthrough, miracles, healings, and salvations for the glory of God. Amen.